Roger, thank you so much for that prayer this morning. It goes along perfectly with what I want to share with you this morning. I would like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 145, and we are going to look this morning at verses 8 through 18. Psalm 145 and verses 8 through 18. If you're visiting with us this morning and you don't have a Bible with you, there should be some Bibles under the chairs in front of you that you are welcome to use. If you're visiting with us this morning and you don't own a Bible, then we would ask that you keep that Bible. It is our gift to you for you to take home, to, to be yours. We would love to, for you to have a Bible as a gift from us. I am working through a series on the attributes of God. I started with an introductory message, and then we are looking at 15 different attributes of our great God. And this morning we come to the 11th one, and that is the goodness of God. I didn't necessarily plan it this way, but this is the perfect attribute to look at as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday. I just want us to bask, to glory, just as Roger so beautifully prayed this morning, that we would just bask in the goodness of God and how good he is to us. In Psalm 145 and verses 8 through 18, this is what we read. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. Now, what I'd like you to do this morning, we're going to come back to this passage and look at it in some depth, but we're going to refer to this passage throughout the entire message. So leave your Bibles open to Psalm 145 because, again, I'll come back to it at different places throughout the message. This morning, we're not only going to look at this passage, but a number of other verses. Some of those verses will be on the screen and some will not. Um, there were just too many to put on the screen. So some, I will just give you the reference if you want to, to mark them down. 
But our first point this morning is the goodness of God. God is so good that he is abundantly good within himself and within his being. And I want you to know that as an attribute of God, God's goodness is who he is. His entire being is filled with goodness. It has been said that God's heart is a perpetual fountain of goodness that flows forth like a swelling river. Waves of goodness come down from God's throne to the earth to bless all of his creation. Please know this morning that God is the source of all good. He is the supply of all good. In Psalm 34 in verse 8, it says this, Taste and, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I'm going to come back to that verse at the end of the message. But if there is a theme to this message, it is this. God wants every single one of us to taste and see that he is good. We are to taste of the goodness of God. In Psalm 100 and verse 5, which we read this morning, it says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good. Psalm 106 and verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And that brings us back to the passage I just read for you. So bear with me if you will. I just wanna, I want us to look at the riches of this particular psalm and let that lead us into the goodness of God. Verse 8 of Psalm 145 the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Oh, behold your God. He is gracious. He is merciful. He not only has steadfast love for us, he is abounding, abounding in steadfast love. Verse 9, the Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. Over all. Over all the universe, over all creation, over all people. Verse 10. Verse 10 begins, begins our response. How do we respond to the goodness of God? And may this lead us. Lead us into this Thanksgiving holiday. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. That's how we respond to the goodness of God. Give thanks to him. Let all of the saints bless the Lord. Verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. Verse 12, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. That's our responsibility. Tell forth the greatness and goodness of God and his works. Verse 13 just states a tremendous fact, your kingdom 
is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. This, this is for the weak. And we are all weak. This is for the humble. This is for the lowly. This is for all people everywhere. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Verse 15. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Hang on to that throughout the sermon. Same with verse 16. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. There should be a continual testimony of thanksgiving coming from our hearts and our mouths as we think of the goodness of God in all of its facets. Folks, God is infinitely kind. He is infinitely merciful. He is infinitely charitable and generous and giving. It is not a small goodness. It is a vast and great goodness. As with all of the attributes that we have looked at in this series, God is great in all of his attributes. So I want us to think of this morning different aspects of the goodness of God. We're only going to touch on a few. There are many more than I could possibly share with you this morning. But first of all, I want you to think with me that God is always good to all the creatures of the earth, including the animal kingdom. Think of how God has so generously provided for the entire earth. God provides sunlight. God provides clean air. God provides fresh water. God provides food and beauty. Oh, the whole earth is filled with the beauty of the Lord. If some of you have had the privilege of traveling to different parts of our country, and if you've had the privilege of traveling to other parts of the world, it is so beautiful. And when you go to a different country, you see it has unique aspects of beauty. It may be mountains, maybe forests, maybe rivers, maybe flowers. It may be the different animals that they have. But every part of the earth is filled with the beauty of God. And every day, God is constantly showing his goodness in every part of the world. He is showing his goodness to the creatures of the earth. He is showing his goodness to the birds of the air. He is showing his goodness to the fish of the sea. And it's all a continuous goodness that is coming down from the throne of heaven 
to all of God's creation. In Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither plant nor harvest nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, many of you are very familiar with that verse. And Jesus' main point is that if God provides for the birds of the air, he will much more provide for you, his children. But I want you to just think, because we don't often just stop and think of the first part of that verse. Look, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We see birds around us all the time, everywhere. And when you see them, remember, remember, your heavenly Father feeds them. He feeds them every day. In Job chapter 38, at the very end of the chapter, in Job chapter 38, God comes to Job in the whirlwind and says, Job, where were you when I created the world? And as we come to the end of the chapter, Job 38, 41, God says to Job, who provides for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for the lack of food? Job who feeds the raven, Job? And when their young ones cry to God, who feeds them? And of course the answer is, God is saying, I do. God feeds them. You know, I, I was reading this week that ravens tend to build their nests on cliffs, on sharp edges of high rocks. And the, their nests are very difficult to get to, unless you're a rock, good rock climber, um, but very hard to get to. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because when their little ones cry out, God feeds them. Psalm 104. I wish we could go to Psalm 104. We don't have time, but it's a magnificent psalm. I encourage you to read it. Maybe this Thanksgiving season just talks about how God creates everything. And it, in the middle of, and down toward the end of Psalm 104, it says that God has created all the creatures of the earth. And then it says this, that he has created all the creatures in the sea. The sea teems, is filled with all the creatures, think of the oceans and the lakes and the rivers and all the creatures that are in them. And the psalmist says, God has created them both small and great. And then Psalm 104 verse 27 says this, listen carefully. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. Have you ever thought of that? Every creature in the sea, both the small and the great, they wait each day for God because he provides them with food in their due season. Again, back to Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. Think of what it says here. 
the eyes of all. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Verse 16. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. What a good God that we serve. Well, our second point this morning is God's goodness to unbelievers and believers. So I want to look at two other aspects of the goodness of God. First, to unbelievers. God extends his general goodness, his common grace, to unbelievers worldwide. Have you ever thought of that? How good God is even to those who don't believe in him? God opens his hands and extends his good gifts even those, even to those who refuse to believe or who have not yet believed. And so I just wrote down some things that, some blessings that they enjoy. They get to enter into marriage and enjoy the blessings of marriage. They get to have children and enjoy the joy that our children bring to us. He allows them to go to school to get an education. He allows them to work. He allows them to feel a sense of accomplishment. He allows them to enjoy a promotion, to advance in their career, to enjoy the career in which they work. God allows them to make discoveries. Many discoveries have been made by unbelievers. He allows them to create beautiful music. In his goodness, he allows them to go on trips. Even unbelievers marvel at the goodness of God all over the world. They may not call it that, but they marvel at the beauty of the mountains and the lakes and the flowers and the animals, the birds. They marvel at them and they travel to see them. He puts, God puts his beauty on display for everyone even unbelievers to enjoy. He allows them to have relationships. He allows them to have friendships. He allows them to enjoy good weather. He allows them to enjoy the benefits of modern medicine. He allows them to read. He allows them to enjoy architecture and art. This is the goodness of God, even, even to those who don't believe. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are exhorting the people of Lystra, stop believing in your false gods and believe in the living God. Don't you see that he has always, throughout the generations, provided a witness to you? And this is what it says in Acts 14, 17. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Don't you see that God has been giving you a witness throughout the generations, rains from heaven, fruitful harvests, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, God causes his son, S-U-N, the sun in the sky, God causes his son 
to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He is so good. The sun rises even on the evil and the rain comes even for the unrighteous. Again, Psalm 145. Look at verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Isn't he good? He is good to everyone and his mercy is over everyone, over all that he has made. But more than God's goodness to unbelievers is God's goodness to his own children, his goodness to us. It is God's goodness that gives us salvation, eternal life. God gave us his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Christ we have all of our sins forgiven. In Christ we are guaranteed a home in heaven. In Christ we have a personal, intimate, saving relationship with Jesus and we walk with God right now every minute of every day. And I know that we say this every year. And I hope we say it every year until the Lord comes. There is nothing more important than your salvation. If all you have is your salvation, you have everything. You have everything. God is good. However, God doesn't just give us salvation. He lavishes upon us good things. Not only does he give us spiritual blessings, but he gives us physical blessings and material blessings, all kinds of them. James chapter 1, verse 17, actually a key verse on this attribute of God. James 1:17. every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. On Thanksgiving, remember this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from your heavenly Father. Have you ever thought about the great gift of prayer that God has given to us as mere mortals the ability to communicate with, to talk to the living God, to come to him with our needs and our petitions, to praise him, to glorify him, to adore him. What a gift. Just listen to this. Just listen. I know you've heard it before, but I want you to listen very, very carefully. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now listen to this. Which of you, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, 
will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you know your heavenly Father is ready and waiting for you to come to him in prayer so that he might bless you? Our Father in heaven is so good that he delights. He delights in meeting our needs. He delights for us to come to him and to present our needs for him. Oh, I beg of you this morning. God loves it when you pray. He loves it. It's not a labor. It's not a chore. He delights to hear from you, for you to come to him and to ask him in the name of Jesus. And he's ready to provide. He is ready to provide according to his sovereign will. But not only is prayer a great gift from God to believers, but God has promised to every single one of you here this morning that he's going to work everything out in your life for good. Romans 8:28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you realize what a great gift that is? In all things, God works for your good. Even our trials, God works for our good. Even our adversities, God works for our good. Because God wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And to be conformed to the image of Christ is the very best thing that could ever happen to you in your life. There is nothing better for you than to become just like Jesus. God uses our trials like a chisel to remove out of our lives everything that isn't like Christ. One of the greatest pieces of art in world history is Michelangelo's statue of David. And Michelangelo was once asked, how, how did you create such a magnificent piece of art? And this is what he said. He said, I simply removed everything that didn't look like David. And folks, that's what God's doing in your Christian life right now. He's removing everything that doesn't look like Jesus. He's removing everything that doesn't sound like Jesus. He's removing everything that doesn't walk like Jesus. And he uses the chisel of trials and even suffering along with his holy word and his holy spirit. And he uses them all to drive us closer to him so that he might make us more like Jesus. What a good God he is. He always, always, always wants your best. And these are just examples. Think of the things I'm not even going to be able to go into. Think of God's protection over your life. Think of God's guidance in your life. Think of his fellowship. To be able to fellowship with the living God, what gifts, what good gifts God has given to us as believers. 
But as we close this morning, I want us to get the big picture. The big picture of why God is so good to us. God's goodness is ultimately designed to lead unbelievers to repentance and his children to a deeper and richer walk with him. Can you remember that as you leave? Ultimately, God's goodness is ultimately designed to lead unbelievers to repentance and his children to a deeper and richer walk with him. Let's consider unbelievers. God shows them all that goodness that I mentioned so that they might come to the Savior. Romans 2.4. If you're not familiar with Romans 2.4, I would like for you to be. I would like it to be a verse that you remember. Romans 2.4, the Apostle Paul says this. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God is designed for unbelievers to come to the Savior to see their need for him. In all the goodness that God shows to unbelievers, he's saying, don't harden your hearts. Don't close your minds. Come to me. Come to me again. Psalm 145, look at verse 18. And notice the logical flow here. Psalm 145, verses 8 through 17, is talking about the goodness of God. And then in verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Oh, unbelievers, the Lord is near to you. He's near to all who call on him, who call on him in truth. But the goodness of God is also supposed to cause us as believers to respond. God's goodness is an invitation for us to come to an even deeper and richer walk with him. It takes us back to Psalm 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever been to the ocean? If you've ever been to the ocean... And just looked out at the ocean so vast, as far as your eyes can see, so awe-inspiring, so huge. I want you to imagine that the ocean is the goodness of God. And Jesus stands out in the water and he's motioning for you to come. To come taste and see that the Lord is good. Go deeper and deeper and deeper with him. Walk with him in a deeper and richer way than you've ever walked with him before. Do you know what God wants us to do as we consider us his goodness? He wants us to thank him and praise him and glorify him. That's the proper response to the goodness of God. Thank him, praise him, and glorify him. Again, Psalm 145, verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Oh, let the saints of the Lord give thanks. Let the saints of the Lord bless the Lord. 
And I want to close with this, just with a caution this morning. We must never doubt the goodness of God. And I say this with great sensitivity. Sometimes as Christians, we can go through really severe trials. We get sick. Sometimes we suffer. Sometimes we lose someone we love. Sometimes we go through incredible financial hardships. When we go through those times, we must never doubt the goodness of God. One of Satan's greatest schemes is to cause us to doubt God's goodness. And I want you to remember that's a lie of Satan. If you ever doubt the goodness of God, it is a lie of Satan. You must fight against it with all of your heart. You must fight against it with the belt of truth and with the breastplate of righteousness and with your fit feeded with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And you must take up the shield of faith. You must take up the helmet of salvation. And you must take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You must put on the armor of God and fight against the lies of the evil one. So let us resist any doubts whatsoever that might cause us to doubt the absolute goodness of God. He is good, and he is especially good to us as his children. So I want to wish every single family here a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. And may you give thanks and rejoice and praise the Lord for all of his goodness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a good God, that your very nature is good and gracious. We are grateful that your goodness is displayed throughout the universe. Help us this Thanksgiving to praise you, to praise you for your goodness and to rejoice in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.